Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and this week, to the right of me, is Deacon Jeff Grzymski. Not to the left of you. That's right. right Victor's not right. here. He's He took off to make his Thomas Merton uh, Halloween costume. Oh. For <laughs> He's not going to get very much candy. That's right. But, uh, you know, but hey, it'll be fun for him. So That's right. He'll be, he'll be happy. But yeah, he didn't. He wasn't able to show up this week, so uh, thank you for stepping in. And uh, I understand it, I was the sixth person you called. It was. It was. But, hey, the other four, I, the other five were just out of yeah. charity. I really wanted you, so... <laughs> I'm glad it worked out for you. Plus, the price is right. That's right. That's right. I always carry that crumpled up $5 bill for you in the pocket. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. um, I'm sorry that Victor's not here. Yeah. But uh, he would have done a lot better job than I will. But, uh, you know, really, it's probably because you got a little problem in your relationship. That's right. That's right. right. Really, why he's not here. That's right. I need to get him a watch, is what I need to get him so he does it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've heard some preaching sometimes, and it's like, man, that's that's coming from the Holy Spirit. I wish the Holy Spirit had a watch. That's right. I've heard a couple of those kind of. That's before. right, but yeah, then I'm glad you said that about the relationship because obviously, you know, today that's what I wanted to talk about, and I'm glad to have you on the show because you've been in, obviously, as a deacon, you've been in catechesis and, you know, just evangelizing to people for a long time. What is catechesis? Catechesis? I don't know. It's just a fancy word. I I like the fancy words in the church. (laughs) It means bringing people to Jesus. That's what it is. Amen, brother. (laughs) But uh, no, you've been involved in this so long, and here, like, you know, recently in my life, I've had people asking so. The things that you know that you've been involved with that are bringing men and men are converting and, and Protestants are becoming Catholic and men are becoming better fathers and husbands and brothers and sons and all these things. What is the secret? And the thing is in that question, there is no secret sauce. You know, people are saying, "Well, how are these men? Why are they, why are in that particular place where you've been doing what you're doing or the things that you've been involved with? Why are men reacting in the way they are?" And the answer to that is relationship. Yeah, you know, it's it's the that you know, we take that that command from Jesus. You know, go and make disciples of all nations. We take that very seriously, but a lot of times we jump head first into it. We show up right. to a guy and go, mm-hmm. "This guy's going to meet with me. I'm going to bring my Bible and my catechism, and he's going to love Jesus before I leave." And it's just it's putting the cart before the horse. You know, we if, if a person if we haven't built a relationship, if we haven't earned the right to speak about that topic to somebody and really have earned that right for for someone to care about our opinion then then we're 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 shooting ourselves in the foot yeah i think it even reminds me of our uh, we've both been through the Curcio. sure and it mm-hmm. just reminds me of their their little slogan make a friend be a friend bring a friend to christ sure so there's the making and then there's the being right and only then and really what that is all about is gaining trust i mean that's like you you can bring a friend to christ but it's not the, you know, the horse and the water thing too. Yeah, it's like, are yeah. they really going to accept Jesus if they don't truly accept you or don't even know you? Why would they suddenly trust this guy you're recommending? Right. No, exactly right. And there's, it's funny because I found a, a quote that I remembered from an old sales book I'd read years ago from Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, bully, bully, bully. He goes, bully, bully. <laughs> That's right. I think it was, I think it was really Robin Williams playing. Oh yes, Teddy exactly. <laughs> but, but no, it says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And when you hear, when I read that, I was like, you know, years ago, of course it was just another line in the book. But when I went back to it, I go, that's so true. Because we walk up, and if we're not careful, you know, when we're trying to get people to come to our groups or whatever we're involved with, 
you know, we can when we come up to people in a manner that's not one that is to build relationship to invest in them, people can see through that. They see, okay, I'm just another notch on that ministry belt. I'm another piece of meat in that room. So you hit your quota of people. And so when you're trying to say, you know, you really should come, you're a guy, I'm a guy, there's guys in there, let's do this. They're reading through that of saying, you know, you know, you asked me last week and then you walk two pews up and you ask the next guy and then you walk two pews right. up and I, you don't care about me. You just care about saying I have X many people in this room or in this group. So it's interesting you'd say it that way because I still remember it like it's something that's emblazoned in my memory. And I remember sitting in a barbecue restaurant here in Memphis um, a while back. It was a long while. And I remember he- overhearing the the people that owned it. They're good people. Mm-hmm. They're good, godly people. And uh, one of the sons that was working at the restaurant was talking to another employee. And they were saying like, well, yeah, we were there. And, and we had this great, it was whatever. And I, I started to realize they were talking about some kind of revival or some kind of big meeting. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and he goes, well, how'd it go? We saved 683 people. And it's like, and I listened to that and I thought, well, that's interesting. 683 I mean, it wasn't like a whole bunch of people came to Jesus. Oh, yeah. It was 683. So there was a focus on this number. And in my mind, and, and I'm a little bit of a skeptic, and I'm a little bit of a pessimist sometimes, maybe too much. But but I think about things like that, and I think like, well, did you really save them? First of all, maybe Jesus, maybe the Holy Spirit was at work there, and that's possible, and that's great. But the reality is, where are they today, this week? They were there last week. They came up, pulpit call, and everything was wonderful. And, I, and I'm not uh, trying to downplay the importance of giving your life to Christ and maybe what happens in a conversion moment sure. for someone. But the reality is, how long does that last? Yeah. And does it last long for everyone? And how many people just kind of fall off the train at that point? You know, the, it, it sounded good at the moment. And then next week, I go back into the middle of everything. And it, and I just, I fall off because it's like, well, maybe that's not so much an exciting thing anymore. But it's about that number. And, and, and the way it was sort of cavalierly stated, 683. And I just thought like, well, do you know any of those? Do you, do you have any relationship with any of those 683? Yeah. The answer is no. Right, their because, email address. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not even that. Yeah. Maybe the goal was how many boxes do we tick? And I, I don't know what church they're from or what their mm-hmm. experience is, but I know that we as Catholics, you know, you're talking about all these, like there's men and let's get these men in here and they get the men to come in. And as I'm thinking about the men, I'm thinking all these other things that we think are going to work uh, by proclaiming the words of Jesus, by, by having them read these great texts, by teaching them all that the, the church teaches and, and mm-hmm. things like that. We're, we're talking about brokenness, right? We're talking about sure. broken men. I think most people don't assume that the, uh, the, 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 the buyer mm-hmm. is broken, right? Sure. So most salesmen don't go into a room thinking like, these guys don't want to hear about my brushes. They could care less about, look at that guy is struggling with his relationship with his wife. That man's having a problem with addiction that, and that's where mm-hmm. we are. So we go in with our brushes and our brushes. And I hate to, you know, this is not about marketing with sure. Jesus, but what we're trying to help them understand is how great it is to have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet we don't realize that they're just right now. They just need to keep their head above water. Yeah. And that's what, and that, and that takes a, a relationship or a level of trust to even get that far, I mean, you meet with these guys a yeah. lot on these Wednesday nights. Do they just immediately walk in and just start blubbering and sharing everything in their life? No, it, it, they walk in and they see relationships that have been built with other men that are there, have been there a while. Which they probably have never seen before. Right. And then when they see it and they go, you can almost see on their face, wow, it's okay for you to say that. It's okay to to share that. And you can see the wheels turning. And then they begin to say, you know, over time they open up. But 
But if we if that guy has to come in that room and no one goes to him and speaks to him and asks his name right. and shakes his hand and we're glad you're here. Please come again next week. All of those little things that we skip over so much. We look at it and I know you've talked about this all the time. We're like, okay, we just gotta get him in here and then we gotta press play. Right? We gotta turn on that video and then it's gonna do all our work for us. And what we're seeing now is is, you know, and I've had a talk with priests, with with people I work with, with the bishop, about just it's not another program. We've got enough programs out there. The thing is, the church is churning out all this high bar theology, just, hey, let's put out things on the saints. Hey, let's put out things on catechesis. When you say the church, though, are you talking about the people? The the... The people. I mean, like, as far as the organizations within the church, not not the church itself, but companies. Because there's some pretty cool documents that come out from the church. Right. And those are kind of lost on the people, too. Sure. Yeah. But that's the thing. We put it out and we go, okay. Well, this is going to change everything. But we forget about what you said, the, the fact that people are broken and lost and what they really want help with is how do I go home and be a better father? How do I not go home and be angry? You know, when I go in from my day's work, how do I love my wife more? Because I feel like maybe after 15 years, I don't know that I do anymore. Like all of these problems that guys are, are struggling with are people in general. And, and learning about the life of Bishop Fulton Sheen isn't going to help somebody in that moment because all they need to know is how can I find God in the moment where I am right now? So what happens is we get so ex- excited about I'm going to go proclaim Jesus. Look, Jesus, I'm doing I'm doing what you said. Right. I've got all my books. I've got my my how to, and I'm headed out the door to evangelize. Oh yeah, and I got some scripture that says, uh, you know, why did I get to heaven, Lord? It's like I never knew you. That's right. You know, I called your name. I I, I healed people in your name. That's right. You know, I raised the dead and all these great things. And it's like, but I never knew you. Right. And then you wonder, you know, we were talking earlier, I would never walk up to someone on the street and go, you know, if I was a, for instance, a Republican or something saying, hey, you know, I love Trump and here's why. You and should you be careful about saying that stuff on the air. I know, the I know. <laughs> but, Take that uh, hat off, by the way. That's right. <laughs> but no, like, I would. why do we think that we, we, you know, just walking up to somebody and immediately saying, Jesus is Lord and you should love him. And if you don't, you're going to hell is going to change anybody's mind no. because it's not, we haven't earned the right in that, in that person's life. And what I've figured out over the last couple of years, just through trial and error and really the spirit leading me is I, I'm going to make more of an impact in somebody's life by being there for them, pouring in and investing my time. That's why I love things like with rise. I know it's a program, but you know what rise is given an avenue to be able to just say, you know what? I want to spend the next 30 days with you. Right, I, we're going to talk for a couple minutes a day about some things, and I'm not trying to do an infomercial for Rise. I'm just saying the beauty of. But using if you do that, want to get more involved in Rise, what do they do? Yeah, they go to <laughs> riseup.org, but uh, you know, or send me an email, John at kernelstudios.org. <laughs> but no, it, it, what that has done for me is in our group has just allowed men to be able to go and say, "Hey, I would really like to get to know you better. I would like to spend some time with you, a couple minutes of your time a day, and that makes all the difference in the world." These men that come in. And we've had somewhere along 10 in our men's group right. become Catholic in the last two years. When you look back at them, they say, this is a place where I could be real. This is a place where I could come in and be accepted for who I am and just be allowed to be. You didn't put any pressure on me. You didn't send me home with homework on how to, I need to read these chapters in the Bible or these. You just allowed me to come in and be who I am. And, and you didn't it. require me to all re- make me feel guilty for not knowing the, this name in Latin or sure. this, this great yeah. document or this earth shattering mm-hmm. thing that was written 500 years ago, which may be beautiful, but it's like, I'm not ready for that. And you didn't make me feel bad. Sure. Uh, you just let me be me in my brokenness. And that, that has been probably the most, um, I would just say impactful, um, 
revealing thing in anything that I think I've done in ministry. You know, if I ever have a good homily or a good talk or something, I know it's that only because of this, not because of standing ovations, which I don't get, and thankfully. <laughs> but someone will come up and say, hey, can I make an appointment and talk to you about something? Sure. And it's like right yeah. after that talk. And then I'll sit and talk with them, and I'll find out that, that it struck a chord with them because they realized it's like, man, when you said that you hadn't been to confession in 20 years, I just realized my, my seven or eight years wasn't as bad as yours. And you were willing to say it. Now I had this, now they, had, they have a connection point with me. And so when those men see you talking and they realize you've struggled, you've had problems, you've had issues, and then they see other men around them that are also being vulnerable and open and saying, I've struggled, I've had issues. And yeah. they're all going like, man, we've all struggled. We've all had issues. And then it's amazing how in those relationships that form, that's when you really, really start to feel that you now that this this other party, this third party that we've been trying to introduce you to, Jesus, suddenly becomes like present in a profound yeah. way in that room just because all of a sudden everybody's open and vulnerable and, right. and, will, and willing to admit that we've had problems and brokenness. Well, that's what, you know, when and, and Paul says, you know, that my power is made perfect in, in, in weakness because Christ can now dwell within me. And so, you know, what that says to me is a lot of these guys, they're able to come in that place and unpack. And when they pull all that stuff out, when they get all that out, then there's room for Jesus to start working. And that's like, so I don't look at it, and we don't look at it in our group as if we're evangelizing. We look at it as we're a place for men to come and be who they are, to get rid of the things that the world has told them forever that they can't share, that they need to carry, they need to put their head down, they need to 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 keep to themselves and not have motions or any of that. They can dump those things. And what it does, it's like cleaning out your house so you can put in new furniture. And Jesus is that new furniture. He's, he's coming into your life and doing those things for you he does the evangelizing. You I know think, what's so funny though? It's like when you say we're not evangelizing. We don't think of it as that. It's like, but that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And, and, then, and if you, because you stop and look at the, the original model of evangelization, you look at Jesus. What mm-hmm. did he do? I mean, before he stood on, on the Mount and gave this wonderful sermon, right? Yeah. Before he taught us the, our father, before he did all these things, he's teaching us how to turn the other cheek or whatever. Before he did that, he went to weddings. He went to funerals. He went and mourned with people. He wept, right? He, yeah. he went and had, he made friends. He, he had dinners. He ate with tax collectors. He got to know the people. He walked among them. He mingled with them. He got to know them. Yeah. He, he created relationships. Yeah. And, and essentially, at that point, it's like a level of trust. And they want to hear these words, these words of everlasting life. And who is this guy? Sure. And then we get to know him. And now it's like, okay, I, I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. Think about all the Bible studies where they are not Bible studies, the stories where they where they walk out into into seemingly nowhere. You know, there's no Taco Bells. There's 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 no <laughs> restrooms. It's like and they're out in the wilderness, like when they he feeds the five thousand. It's sure. like, uh, you know, a, we don't two hundred days wages wouldn't uh, feed all these people. You know, even begin to feed all these people. There's no food anywhere. It's like. They're out in this remote area. Why would all those many thousands and thousands and thousands of people follow him? Because they they they, they heard him. Yeah. They trusted him. They had a relationship with him, right? And, and 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 that's what you guys do. That's what that's what those meetings and that's what that's what works. That's what evangelization actually is, mm-hmm. right? It's not catechizing. You meant the word catechesis. Yeah. Of course, not just like here are the 150 things you need to know to get to heaven. Right. You need to memorize these. Here are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here are the this and here's this and here's this. And those are nice things to know. But you know what? 
a substitute for all that, or actually maybe a precursor for all that is knowing Jesus. Right. And having a relationship with that man where he is. That's, yeah, and that's allowing, powerful. And allowing, I mean, to, to witness to your own life. I mean, there's, you know, Pope Paul VI said, you know, modern man listens more to witnesses than it does teachers. And if he does listen to teachers, it's because they're witnesses. And that's the other thing is that when you're, those men come in the room and they're, they're, they're seeing lives modeled at that point. It's not as much talking as it is just seeing those guys are happy. They have something I don't have. What is it? I'm going to hang around here and see what that is. And, and you know, that's the way that I believe Jesus approached. Like to your point, he got into Peter's boat. You know, that's yeah. one of my favorite things in, in scripture is it says Jesus got into Peter's boat. And, and what that means is he didn't stay in there on the shore and go, I am Jesus. I am Lord. Come hither to me and, and, and you will be my disciple and we will move forward. He got in his boat. He got into what he did for a living, into his life and said, what are you struggling with? You're not catching any fish? Hey, have you tried it this way? You know, throw it on this side. Yeah. And yes, he was God, but what he's doing is he's telling people, like he came into his mess. He said, I see a problem there. I see something somebody's struggling with. I'm going to go help him with that. And that's going to open his heart to me. And then I'm going to work. And that's what, what we're called to do in evangelization. But we get so... You know, we, we go to the playbook and we got to do this and we got to do that. You got to have donuts. You got to have, you know, a 45 minute video and then you have five minutes for, for, you know, um, surface level sharing. And then we're going to get out of here. We're going to do it for, you know, a hundred years and that's going to be evangelizing. And we've got the same, you know, 20 people or whatever that is. And, right. and we think we've done our jobs, but our job is to go out and to find those that are broken. Like I love the the image of a, of a field hospital, right. Or going into the trenches and really getting in there with people where they're hurting and saying, look, I, I've struggled too, and I've hurt too, and let me tell you the one thing that's fixed that. When you do, when you don't do that, th- then what they're hearing is is I, I remember a, a Far Side cartoon. It's like what dogs hear. It's mm-hmm. like blah 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 ginger blah 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 blah. You know, yeah. it's like and when we're <laughs> when 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 you're when you're sort of preaching at somebody and you're and you're listing all these things that they should know and all these great programs and you're running a video past them. Blah 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 blah, Ralph. Blah right. blah 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 blah. And and the thing is, when when you're when you have a relationship with someone and you know they're broken and they know they're broken and everybody knows they're broken and then you start to now you're you're down there with them in the trench. Yeah. So this is where this is like, uh, it's always amazing to me that we don't stop and think that triage should be the first thing that we do in a relationship, sure. right? It just where are you bleeding? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to bleed out while I'm talking to you. What right. is it that's hurting you right now? Let's talk about that because that's that's what you brought to the party. So let's deal with that right now. And it's amazing how once you do that, you gain a level of trust. You've actually answered a critical need for them because you talked about, uh, you know, these people having things inside and all this kind of stuff. So many people don't realize that if, the, if, if they don't get that stuff out, mm-hmm. like just when we're talking about therapy, um, if, if they don't speak it out loud and it goes out, it may, it may be like this sort of vomitous mass. It's a yeah. terrible thing that comes out of you and, and onto the table. But the reality is when it's on the table, it's quantifiable. You look at it and go like, that's ugly, but, but I see that. And I can yeah. start to, it can start to be cleaned up in a way that's, that, that works. But when it's inside you, it is like this horrible thing that it's a monster of enormous size. It's ginormous. You, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea how big it is. And that's where, that's where the men are that we have to minister to. Those are the ones, they don't want to hear what a Pope said 500 years ago. Yeah. 
what he said was vile. It's in, very important, but he's not when ready. When you get to the place to be able to accept He's that. not ready yeah. for that, right? And we he's not going to listen because it's a pope from 500 years ago. Sure. He's not going to hear that. What he's going to hear is blah, 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 Ralph. Yeah. He's not going to hear those words. Now, sometimes I'll use the prayers of... Uh, uh, of, of, a, of a saint from, you know, 500, 750 years ago, because it's, it's remarkably appropriate for even today. And they'll hear those words and go like, man, that spoke to me. It's like, well, that was like St. Rose of Lima, you know, or that was uh, Pope so-and-so. And it's like, they go like, well, tell me more about that saint because it struck them where they yeah. are. Yeah. And so when we minister where they are, like first and foremost, triage, what's hurting right now, mm-hmm. ama- amazing things happen. Yeah, it is. And, and, and that's what I love about, you know, when Just Got in the Pew, this show came about and you gave me the opportunity. You said, you know, I think you need to do a show. What I loved about it was immediately I was like, I want to talk about things that other people aren't talking about. I don't want to talk about catechesis and all these things. I want to talk about why I'm angry or why I've been addicted to things. Or And that's where humility. so many guys it, are. Right. And it is. And the thing is, most guys, they don't share. So when they can hear this, they go, wow, that's me too. And at least they can get something out of that. But the thing that we need to understand when we're evangelizing is people want to be heard and listened to and loved. You know, we don't do that enough. People at their core, they want somebody that cares about what they're thinking, what they're, what they're, what's going on in their lives, all those things. And when you can become that person, then you're opening up the door for Christ because that's who you have in your heart. And it's just like, I have found something here. I've thought about that so many times when guys have come in the room and said that I found something here. I thought, what have they found? They have a place where they can speak where people are going to listen and they're going to receive them. And that's something they're not getting anywhere else in the world, you know, is, is that, and that people were giving that time. I cannot, and we've talked about it before you and I on the fatherhood episode, we did time, what we can give to our children, what we can give to others. That is the most important thing. We think I can give them a Bible. I can give them a Holy spirit coin. I can give them these things and maybe, maybe magically something will happen. But what you can do the most is give them your time outside of your group or what are you doing? You know, hey, I want to take you to lunch because I think there's something you're struggling with and I want to give you time to share it. That's where the magic happens. And that's where these men's lives are. And anyone, if we're doing it correctly, has changed. Is is showing you you're important enough to me. I see you. I see your dignity. And I want to invest myself in you. Now, what's beautiful about all this is I want to make sure that that, that I, as I, I'm sitting here as a deacon of Holy Mother sure. Church, that I don't think that we're telling anyone not to go to church, that we're telling anyone not to, and that sure. the church herself is making a mistake in terms of how she's presenting the gospel to people. That's not the case. What is, what's beautiful is what is church and who is church? And, and, and all of these broken people are mm-hmm. church. We're in church and we're best ministered to in the context of church, of, of one-on-one. It's just that we've gotten too much so that we sit in the pews and wait for something to happen. We become sure. pew warmers, right? When really we're called into ministry, each of us, and the way we have to minister is mano a mano. It's like really man-to-man. It's man-to-man coverage. Yeah. We're not covering in the zone here, right? Yeah. We're going to be more effective man-to-man in this situation because you need to get one man at a time back into that boat, right? And that's yeah. the whole point. And I, and I love the image of, of the boat. I'm talking about Peter, uh, you know, Jesus getting in Peter's boat to preach. I mean, we still do every time we go to church. Sure. I mean, that big room of the church is not called the sanctuary. The sanctuary is up where the tabernacle is yeah. where the altar is. That big room's called the nave, and that's the same Latin root as navigate and navy. I mean, we're all mm-hmm. in a boat, 
Another beautiful name for uh, the church is the bark of Peter, the yeah. barge, the boat of Peter. We're, we're still in Peter's boat and Jesus is in there with us. And we want to, we want, there's, there's safety in the boat. There's, uh, there's security in the boat. There is relationship in the boat. So we want people in that boat, in the church, but we have to reach out one hand at a time and pull the people out of the water, right? Yeah. To save one man at a time. And they're drowning, Right, they're drowning and shouting words out to them and telling them like the memorize this passage in catechism or or read this book or watch this DVD and you'll know how to get into the boat. You've got to reach in and pull them out. That's right. And once you do that, and once you open their heart, and Jesus is able to heal their wounds, then they can be open to the truth and the beauty of the church and to all these wonderful things Amen. that we have here. The sacrament. Then they'll be hungry for it. Right. And right. just. I, I remember when I, you know, when all the changes happened in my life, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough knowledge. I wanted to know everything about this church, everything about the faith, what other people said about Jesus, people that lived great lives for Jesus, how they did it, what they said. And I've seen that time and time and again with these guys that, that are becoming Catholic. The next thing you know, I walk in our local Catholic bookstore and they're in there with three or four books or they're, you know, Hey man, I watched this episode on, or I watched six Father Mike Smith's videos the other day or whatever right. it is, but they can't get enough. And it's because... They've met Jesus through you, through someone that's able to receive them. We, that's what it means to be like Jesus. We have to die to ourselves. He says, die to yourselves for others. Right. You do that through your time. You say, you're important enough to me to be able to make an impact. I want to know you, and I want to see what God can do in your life. And when you do that for people, they are going to change, and it's not only going to affect them, it's going to affect their wives and their children. And it's just, you see these parishes where this is going on and it, they're, they're starting to thrive because people see this is a place where I get healing, where I'm loved, where I'm received, where I'm heard, and I feel a genuine part of community. And that's what it's about. So as we're coming to the end here, you know, when we're thinking about evangelization, don't skip the most important part. Build relationships. You have to earn that place in someone's life to be able to tell them about Jesus, to be able to show them what, how their life can be better when they bring him into their life. It's not enough just to plant the seed. You've got right. to nourish it. You've got to right. be there to tend it, to pull the weeds, to, to clear the area. Right. And that's the only way it's going to flourish. That's right. You've got to till your own garden, as you like to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I know we're here at the end of the show and that music's about to pop in a minute, but I just want to leave us with one last verse, which, you know, Jesus said, uh, it's, it's John 13, 35. And he says, this is how all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So as we want to evangelize, as we want to be disciples, we have to remember, if that's what you want to be, then you have to love one another. You have to build those relationships, and Christ will do the rest once you open that door. I'm so happy to be in a relationship with yeah, you, Yeah, you too. You too, <laughs> Jeff. Thank you for being here. So why don't we go ahead and close with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you commanded us to go forth to all nations and make disciples. If we aren't careful, though, we can skip a huge step in the process. Help us to remember that we must earn the right to evangelize to someone. And Father, remind us to always be generous with our time so that we can truly invest in lasting relationships with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.